Now I'd like you to turn with me again to the portion of scripture we read together in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to focus our attention to some degree upon the words that are written in verse 12. Where the Apostle Paul said, But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So the theme of our message is right there in that text. And I want to consider with you things that happened to the Apostle Paul. He says the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. When the Apostle Paul put pen to this epistle, he assured the church at Colossae of three things. He assured them that, according to verse 3, they were on his mind. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He also assured them in verse 7 that they were in his heart. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. He assured them that they were in his prayers, for in verse 9 he says, And this I pray, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in judgment. It's somewhat interesting to note, and that because of the present situation that the Apostle Paul found himself in, that there was not a thought upon his own situation, but his thoughts and prayers were upon others and those in the church there. Now his present circumstances were not very pleasant, but with God's help, Paul was always the master of his situations. Many of God's people are not masters of their own situation. With the result that they often find themselves defeated. Paul is a prisoner in Rome. He is concerned about certain things. He's concerned lest his sufferings and his imprisonment would actually become a stumbling block to others in the church. He was concerned lest some of the believers there might be offended because of his situation as a prisoner. Concerned lest some of them might think if Paul's doctrine was so right and his preaching was so of God and that he was so instrumental in the spreading of the gospel, surely God would not allow that to be silenced and the apostle thrown into prison. He was concerned also 
lest some of the believers might shy away from taking their stand for the gospel of Christ, lest they also suffer the same imprisonment and suffering as him. So the apostle, he is putting pen to paper, and by divine inspiration he is writing to encourage them and to assure them that the things that happened unto him are not a hindrance to the spreading and furtherance of the gospel, but actually they are a help. Instead of silencing the gospel message and hindering it, his imprisonment and his bonds, why they are actually furthering the gospel and this glorious message. Matthew Henry commenting on this particular verse said, It is a strange chemistry of providence to extract so great a good as the enlargement of the gospel out of so great an evil as the imprisonment of the Apostle Paul. On another occasion when the Apostle Paul wrote to young Timothy, In 2 Timothy 2 in verse 9, he said this, Wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. You see, they could imprison the apostle. They could try to silence the preacher but they could not imprison the word of God. The things that happened unto Paul, actually, they fell out unto the furtherance and the spread and the progress of the gospel. And today, for the time given, I want us to consider the things that happened unto Paul. Ever consider the things that have happened unto you? And folks, it's not the things that happen unto us that really matter. What really matters is this. Our reaction to the things that happen to us. And you can see in that very chapter how the apostle reacted to his present circumstances as a prisoner. And how he reacted actually meant the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The things that happened unto Paul, and I'm not just confining my thoughts on this chapter alone, but it will bring us back to this chapter, because everything that happened unto Paul, why, this is the result of it here. One of the first things that happened unto the Apostle Paul of importance that I want to bring to you is the conversion that he experienced. And what a life-changing experience that was. The notorious Saul of Tarsus, who now stands as the great Apostle Paul, the persecutor who was transformed And became a great preacher of the gospel. And you see his experience with God. With God was so revolutionary. 
that he never doubted the reality of what took place that day at 12 o'clock on the Damascus Road. You see, he says at midday, O king, when he gave his testimony, so what he was saying was this, I was saved at midday, midday's 12 o'clock. You may not remember the time you were saved. You may not remember the date you were saved. But I doubt if anyone saved will ever remember, ever forget where it happened. But the big question is, folks, did it happen in your life? Again, when the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12, he said this, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know there's people in Ulster tonight or today and you talk to them about the matter of salvation and they will say, well, I hope so or I think so. Not with the Apostle Paul. He said, I know. Friend, it's important to know that you've been born again. Thinking about the conversion he experienced, there's first of all the miracle of it. Now, of course, folks, every conversion is miraculous. It was a miracle that John the Baptist was saved in his mother's womb. It was miraculous that God in his mercy saved people like you and me. It was a miracle that the notorious Saul of Tars was converted. And I say that because of his religious pedigree. And sometimes people's religious pedigree can actually become a barrier to them in coming to the Savior. In Philippians chapter 3, you have that religious pedigree. He says in chapter 3, in verses 3 and 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that the earth were off, he might trust in the flesh. I more. He's saying if any man could depend upon his works for salvation, surely I was that man. He said I was circumcised the eighth day. I was of the stock of, stock of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee concerning the seal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. But he did not allow that religious pedigree hinder him in coming to the Savior. There was not only that religious pedigree, but then his ruthless past. Again, writing to young Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 13, he says this, summing up his life, he says that he was a blasphemer. 
He says he was a persecutor. He says he was injurious. In other words, summing it all together, the Apostle Paul, giving record of his conversion prior, or his life prior to his conversion, he said, I was a dangerous individual. And you will well know that he introduced to us in the Bible at a murder scene. Because in Acts chapter 7, it speaks about the murder of Stephen. And they cast Stephen out of the city, and they stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. What a background this individual has. To give you some idea of that background, the Bible says in Acts chapter 8, And verse 1, and Saul was consenting unto Stephen's death. At that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. It says in verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house healing men and women, committing them to prison. When we go to chapter 9 and verse 1, it says of him and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. In his unconverted days, he did everything within his power humanly to destroy the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was on a campaign of persecution against God and God's people. You see, when you look into it all, you will discover that his birth and his beliefs and his background drove him to a head-on collision with biblical Christianity. Then one day, at the height of his godless career, he's miraculously converted on the Damascus Road. But there's not only the miracle of that conversion, but there's the manner of it because in Acts chapter 9 and verses 3 and 4, the Bible tells us as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly. Folks, I want you to get hold of that word, suddenly. That's important. And every time I read that, that's an encouragement to me. We look out across our towns, our villages, and across our province. There's not many Ulster people today queuing up to hear the gospel. Often we have to acknowledge that God's work is more in decline than on the incline. People have lifted up the fists of their heart in rebellion against God and said in their heart, no God, not for me. 
but in your town. You'll not find anyone with a background more difficult, more sinful, more rebellious than Saul of Tarsus. And the Bible says, and suddenly, you've got loved ones that are not saved. Well, my friend, don't despair, don't give up, because suddenly, God can save them. If God could suddenly step into that man's life, God can suddenly step into any man's life. And suddenly, there shined around about him a light from heaven. Suddenly, Saul was converted on the Damascus road. His conversion was such a miracle. And so sudden, people could not believe it. The church couldn't believe it. The disciples couldn't believe it. Because when we look at Acts chapter 9, the Bible tells us of that very fact. In Acts chapter 9, And the verses 13 and 14. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on his name. And Ananias could not believe what he was hearing. Even the Lord was telling him. When we go to verse 26 of Acts 9, it says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he has said to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. giving record of his conversion over in Acts 26 before the monarch of that time. He tells about the light of the gospel shining in his heart and the voice of God to his soul that was so irresistible. And there on the Damascus road, he was miraculously converted. It was one of the great things that happened unto the Apostle Paul. In fact, because of what happened that day, that act of conversion fell out unto the furtherance of the gospel because he who was a persecutor became one of the greatest preachers that the world has ever known. The things that happened to Paul, friend, has that happened to you? And it was that conversion, by the way, that led to the events in Philippians chapter 1. Because I want you to notice not only the conversion he experienced, but the conflict he endured. Now he says in verse 12 of the portion of scripture we read together, but I would not have you, I would have you understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. The conflict that he endured. 
John Peterson wrote that hymn, It's Not an Easy Road, We Are Traveling to Heaven. And when I look into the life and works of the Apostle Paul, those words of that hymn are so depictive. It was not an easy road. He was traveling to heaven. He speaks there, first of all, about his bonds in verse 13, so that my bonds in Christ. So he's simply saying, look, I'm a prisoner. I'm now in prison. And he writes this epistle, from his prison cell. Being a Christian was not easy, an easy pathway for the apostle. He who was a persecutor is now being persecuted for the faith and for the gospel that he once sought to destroy. Without looking it up, folks, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through to 28. Describe just how hard it was for the apostle as a Christian. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was often cold, often hungry, bitterly criticized, misunderstood, cast into prison. Not for wrongdoing, but for right doing. You see, life has its prisons for you and me, as well as its palaces. And sometimes we find ourselves in bonds that are physical, material, emotional, and spiritual. But it's how we react to that. You see, Paul saw every circumstance in his life an opportunity to promote the gospel of Christ. He wasn't one of those Christians who sat down in self-pity and pitied himself. He turned his circumstances into a pulpit to preach the gospel. Now, folks, I don't have to say from this pulpit today that in the Christian life there can be setbacks, there can be difficulties, there can be discouragements. But always remember this, God gives the necessary grace at the necessary time. As people would say, and I would say it to you today, but it's wrong. I could never stand to be burned at the stake like the reformers. Today, no, that's right, you couldn't. Neither could I. But you see, when martyr time comes, God gives martyr grace. He did not give you martyr grace today because you don't need that. But he gives us grace today, not to die for him, but to live for him. The apostle Peter says this. Beloved, think it not strange. Concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But listen, he says, rejoice. That's strange, folks. 
fiery trials. But don't let them get you down. Rejoice. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. So there was his bonds. And then there was his brethren. And some of them were a problem. You see, he says in verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Those words are very, very significant. To add affliction. Those words carry the idea of the painful rubbing of chains on a prisoner's wrists and legs. Making the situation as bad as it can be. Making the apostles' place more difficult. Adding to his affliction. They were knocking him when he was down. Instead of lifting him up in their prayers. It was one of the things that happened to Paul. It wasn't that pleasant. The conflict that he endured. But let me just conclude with a campaign he engaged. Because in the verse 12 he says, I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things that have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. His campaign in life, his whole ambition in life was to spread the good news of the gospel. He talks about the furtherance of the gospel. In fact, he said on one occasion, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Writing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 2, he says, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, What Paul is saying is this. He lived for Christ. He loved Christ. He breathed Christ. And he died for Christ. To him, being a Christian, it was everything or nothing. And that's how we should be as Christians today. Not serving God if I've nothing else on that night. Not going to the prayer meeting if it's ah, convenient for me to go. We give ourselves in totality totality and enthusiastically in the work of God to spread the gospel and we can't give it everything. Give it up! Apostle Paul gave it everything. Now the devil sought relentlessly every opportunity to frustrate Paul's mission and to bring it to an end. He says the things that happened unto me, instead of shutting doors, open doors. The adversities became advantages. His prison became a pulpit. You see, God used Moses' rod. He used Gideon's pitchers. He used David's slings. And he used Paul's chains. 
to further the gospel. What seemed like a hindrance was actually a help in spreading the gospel. That word furtherance, for the furtherance of the gospel, that word furtherance means to progress like an army. Paul is saying, all the things that happened to me in my life, they've all worked out to the furtherance and to the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He exhorted Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. He exhorted him to let nothing and no one stop that work. In verse 13 he says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. That word palace, folks. The word refers to the Praetorium Guard, the elite Roman army, the Imperial Guard of Rome, 10,000 hand-picked men of Italian birth. They received double pay. They received, received double privileges. But during the apostles' imprisonment, those select soldiers, they had to guard this man they were chained to the Apostle Paul, so they had to listen to this message, which might never have happened if Paul hadn't been put into prison. So we could say, these things have fallen out onto the furtherance of the gospel. You see, what you and I often think is hurting us. If we master the situation with God's help, instead of hurting us, they'll help us. And in turn, help others. The things that happened unto the Apostle Paul, how do we respond to the things that happen unto us? You know, the Apostle Paul said there were those brethren... And they actually harmed him because they were preaching Christ of contention, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Instead of helping God's servant, they were hindering God's servant as much as they could. And you know, folks, in Christian life, we can either help people or hinder people. Some Christians do, if I might use the word, mess it up at times. And they just become the gossip of other Christians. But the Bible reminds us that those that are spiritual are to help such people. But the Apostle Paul pressed on and we must, like Paul, accept those things as God's will turn our circumstances into opportunities to serve Christ, to spread the gospel. All this happened to the apostle because of what happened on the Damascus Road. Friend, have you ever had an experience of God's salvation 
Well, you say, maybe I never saw a light from heaven. I never heard a voice. God deals with us. He knows us inside out. When Lydia went down to the riverside on a Sabbath afternoon, her heart was opened and she simply believed. The Philippine jailer, because of the character he was, God turned his world upside down with an earthquake. And he cried out, what must I do to be saved? Friend, all you have to do today is obey what they, Paul and Silas said to the Philippine jailer when he said, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe. On the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Those are things that happened to the Apostle Paul. And that great thing of conversion can happen in your life today. And I trust and pray if you don't know him, that that will happen this morning. Now our time is gone, folks. We're going to bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks indeed for the things that happened to the great Apostle Paul. We thank you for his miraculous conversion. We thank you for everyone gathered here that has had that miracle in their heart. It is our heart's desired earnest prayer that everyone will have it. And Lord, whatever follows that, we thank you that your grace is always greater than our need, and your grace is sufficient. Separate us now with your blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest, remain, and abide with us for Christ's sake. Amen.